I was in McDonald's the other day um, when this young girl mm-hmm. working there, maybe 15 or 16, she brought my food out for me. And they uh, they currently have this, this Monopoly game, I'm sure you guys have seen it. Where you oh, Mac peel is the Monopoly, baby. Yeah, I know. That it's time big. of year. Yeah, and you, 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 know, you peel the stickers, you win, whatever. Um, anyway, she asked me if I knew about it. I was like, yeah, of course. And she's like, okay. Well, all you have to do is you know peel the stickers off and see what you want. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, thanks. Pretty straightforward. Like, yeah, pretty straightforward. I'm like, I'm about to go eat my food and look up and she's still there. And she's like, yeah, you just peel from the corner <laughs> and peel the sticker. And I'm like, okay. And then she stood there for 10 seconds at least just staring at me, like waiting for me to peel the sticker off. <laughs> she wanted to make sure you're doing it properly. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? And That's then she just service. walked off. Just walks off. Right? I was just sitting there left with so many fucking questions like... Do I look like I need stickers explained to me? <laughs> what the fuck just happened? And has anyone ever needed that explanation before? That is A-grade service right there. Yeah, it really, really fucked me up, man. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh. All right, that was Simon and Garfunkel with The Only Living Boy in New York. If everyone, uh, if everyone else died in New York, how did this boy survive? Today, Ooh. we're going to talk about <laughs> remarkable tales of survival. <laughs> Well done. Uh, my name is Morgan, and I am joined, as always, by Bear Lachlan. Aloha. And Grills Brad. <laughs> I can't get it now. Hello. <laughs> Who is a bad person? <laughs> How are we today, guys? Ready to activate your survival instincts and get your adrenaline pumping? Oh, mm, boy. Yes. Speaking of people who uh, shouldn't have survived, I went to a... <laughs> Went to a Bucks night a couple of days no, ago. No. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, boy, was it, was it PG. Oh, it was not PG at all. It was, uh, <laughs> it was actually for a, a long, long-time listener and friend of the show, Tom. Uh, he had a good time. He had a, he had a very good time, actually. <laughs> very, very good time. If his uh, future wife is listening to this, he had a really fucking good time. <laughs> <laughs> No, you can't get him in trouble. Tom's a good guy. Um, he's he's definitely not. <laughs> I'm going to the wedding. I'll uh, I'll live podcast it for us. Okay, you do that. <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right, this is uh, this is going to be a fun one. My story is pretty wild, and I'm interested to hear what you guys have to talk about. Mm-hmm. But before we get mm-hmm. into it, Lachlan, do you want to crack open a cold one with the boys? It's time to crack open a cold one with the boys. Indie Gold Full Flavoured Lager is what I have this week, lads. Donated mm. to the show by uh, my very generous father-in-law, John, who's a fan. He listens uh, oh. every week. Uh, it's very Vietnamese nice. beer, which I don't think I have done on the podcast before. Uh, 3.3%, so it's a mid, but that's okay. I don't mind a mid. Uh, is that the Aldi beer? I have literally no idea. It does not say on a package for Aldi. Uh, if it is. It does not. Okay. The, the can looks like a 4X ripoff. It does a little bit, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, but, like uh, 4X med bintang. Let's give it a go. <laughs> oh, good snap. Very nice. Mm-hmm. I don't mind the old mid-strengths, personally. Oh, it's not bad. Not bad. Mm. All right. Excellent. Must be a good ripoff of uh, 4X then. Mm. Um, <laughs> all right. So, as I said before, today we'll be talking about people who should be dead. By all rights, they should not have been able to survive what they survived. So, we're just going to tell a story about that. And mm. if you guys don't mind, I think I'll go first. Yeah, jump in, mate. All right. My story is about Julian Julianne Kopka. She was born in 1954 in Lima, Peru, to German parents, Hans Wilhelm and Maria. That is the most German name in the fucking world, Hans Wilhelm. (laughs) 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 Sounds like a Kaiser, doesn't it? Yeah. All right. They were both uh, biologists. Until she was 14, Julianne was educated in a German school in Lima while her parents worked at the Lima Museum of Natural History. But when she was 14, her parents took her deep into the Amazon rainforest to a research station called Penguana. Penguana. <laughs> it's 
fun to say. What better education could be possible than being homeschooled by two geniuses in the Amazon? Her dad taught her maths, and every morning they went into the rainforest where she gained first-hand knowledge and experience of the ecosystem. Mm. But if Julianne wanted to officially graduate from high school, then she had to go back to Lima to take her exams. She was 17 years old in 1971, and she passed her exams in December. Rather than going straight back to Panguana, she begged her mother to stay in Lima to attend the graduation ceremony, and more importantly, the graduation ball. She was a homeschooled teenage girl who didn't get much social interaction, so she wouldn't let a chance slip for her to get dressed up and go to a dance. Her mother wanted to fly back to Panguana on December 19, but the graduation ball was on the evening of December 22. The only flight they could get on before Christmas was a flight in the morning of Christmas Eve with Lancer, a company that Hans Wilhelm had advised his wife never to fly with. Lancer had a reputation for being unsafe, and there was low confidence in their fleet of L-188 Electras. And for good reason. Of the total 170 L-188 Electras ever produced, 112 of them managed to retire. The other 58 were written off due to crashes or other accidents. Jesus. I like those odds. One in three. I do not like those (laughs) odds. more than a third. Uh, Only 16 months earlier, an Electra run by Lancer had crashed in Peru, killing 99 people. The crash was officially caused by pilot error, but was not helped by the fact that one of the engines spontaneously caught fire during takeoff. How is that the pilot's fault? (laughs) That seems a bit harsh to chalk that up to pilot error. No, he, di- he didn't. He didn't uh, adhere to the procedures when an engine goes out because there were four engines. It's like, yeah, you only need three, really. Okay. Um, <laughs> but anyway, whether this was due to a poorly manufactured plane, poor maintenance, or pilot error, one thing is clear: there is certainly a problem with the combination of an L one eighty eight Electra aircraft and a Lancer operated flight. But just like the crash sixteen months earlier there would somehow be one survivor of the doomed Lancer Flight 508 on December 24, 1971. The flight was supposed to leave early in the morning of Christmas Eve, but did not end up leaving until 11am, a a lengthy delay caused by bad weather. It was only a one-hour flight to Pakulpa, the nearest big city to the research station. While in the air, the pilots noticed terrible conditions ahead, but decided to push forth anyway, perhaps feeling pressure to get everyone home for Christmas. Instead of turning back, they flew straight into this severe thunderstorm, and the plane was struck by lightning. It is not uncommon for planes to get hit by lightning, but it is uncommon for the lightning to ignite the fuel tank. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) The L-188 Electras were not built to handle severe turbulence due to their rigid wings, and this led to the entire right wing of the plane being ripped off. As the plane started spiraling down, it also started disintegrating. Oh, God. (laughs) I don't think this thing was supposed to stay together. It just doesn't sound... It's like held together like fucked by duct tape or some shit. <laughs> After about 10 minutes, I saw a very bright light on the outer engine on the left. My mother said very calmly, that is the end. It It's all over. Those were the last words shit. I ever heard from her. The plane jumped down and went into a nosedive. It was pitch black and people were screaming. Then the deep roaring of the engines filled my head completely. Suddenly, the noise stopped, and I was outside the plane. I was in freefall, strapped oh, to my seat God. bench, and hanging head over heels. The whispering of the wind was the only noise I could hear. What the fuck? Oh, that is fucking right. terrifying. Julianne had been sitting in the middle seat of a row of three. Her mother on one side and a man on the other side had both been ripped from their seats. As the plane disintegrated, the row of seats became detached, and Julianne was in freefall, strapped to her seat. She remembers seeing the Amazon rainforest get closer and closer as she spiraled towards it, and then she lost consciousness. Oh. That is some fucking Final Destination shit if I've ever heard it. <laughs> like, straight out of the first movie. Yeah. Uh, the plane was struck by lightning at an altitude of over seven kilometres. When the plane fully came apart, it was down to about three kilometres high. Julianne was in freefall for two miles. Oh, my That's God. That's 3.2 kilometres. And somehow, she survived. When she awoke sometime later, it took her almost half a day just to stand up and remain standing. These were her injuries she had. A broken collarbone, a torn ACL, a strained vertebrae in her neck, a partially fractured shin, and she had several deep cuts on her arms and legs. 
She also had low vision due to losing her glasses in the fall, as well as the capillaries in her eyes popping due to rapid decompression oh, as she was ejected from the plant. Why even mention? Why mention the fucking glasses? Jesus Christ! I feel like the capillaries was probably a bigger concern. Oh, also, she couldn't see because l- she lost her glasses. Also, her fucking, fucking eyeballs eyes exploded. Exploded, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck. No, they were. Uh, also, I, I think for falling, you know, two miles out of the air, that's a pretty short list of injuries. Like, yeah, that's. I'd take yeah, that. That's yeah, you'd crazy. Think, yeah, you'd think it would be a bit worse. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, she was in a bad state, but still, the first thing on her mind was finding her mother. After all, if she survived the fall, maybe her mother did too. She searched for her mother for a full day before finally giving up. But this search was not entirely in vain as she found a bag of sweets, or lollies as we call them. And these would be her only substantial food source for her 10 days alone in the jungle. Oh my god. Julianne was uniquely qualified to survive this experience. She awoke roughly 30 kilometers from Panguana, the research station, so she knew this part of the rainforest very well. She knew the dangers and she knew how to navigate her way through the forest. Her father had taught her, if you're ever lost in the rainforest, find a stream and follow it until you find civilization. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what she did. Julianne decided it would be easier to walk through the shallow river than to walk beside it. But each had their dangers. There could be piranhas and crocodiles in the river. There could be snakes in the forest. Oh, God. On the fourth day, Julianne saw a king vulture land nearby. She knew that they only land when they have plenty of food to scavenge, and her heart sank as she immediately realised it was there to eat the corpses of her fellow passengers. Oh, no. Soon after, she came across a terrifying discovery. When I turned a corner in the creek, I found a bench with three passengers rammed headfirst into the earth. I was paralysed by panic. It was the first time I had seen a dead body. I thought my mother could be one of them, but when I touched the corpse with a stick, I saw that the woman's toenails were painted. My mother never polished her nails. I was immediately relieved, but then felt ashamed of that thought. (laughs) Wait, uh, she poked it with a stick? I mean, what else (laughs) you can do if you find a dead body? Well, I mean, I don't know. Try it. You'd (laughs) poke it with a stick as well, Brad. Don't lie. Poke it with a stick. I don't know. Yeah. Sounds like a childish thing to do. She was a child. She was 17, man. She was 17. That's not a kid. That is a child. Uh, the other thing is that her mother was sitting next to her. So, I don't know how she thought her mother mm. ended up in this other bench well, seat. She first obviously <laughs> wasn't Earth, thinking but... clearly, wandering around the forest for fucking days. I think she just wanted yeah, an excuse to poke a body with a stick and she's like, no one's going <laughs> to call me on my bullshit. <laughs> Until today. It's been <laughs> yeah. almost 50 Boom. years, but finally she's getting called out. Yep. <laughs> Get Take right. it. All right. Um... Julianne had eaten all of her candy and she was starving. Even worse, her cuts had become infected Ugh. and the deep gash on her right arm had become infested with maggots. Oh, oh, they're just doing the Lord's work, cleaning out the dead tissue. I mean, that's true, <laughs> but still. Yeah. Oh. Should be thankful. Finally, on the 10th day, she came across a boat. By the 10th day, I couldn't stand properly, and I drifted along the edge of a larger river I had found. I felt so lonely, like I was in a parallel universe, far away from any human being. Like the Twilight Zone, I guess. <laughs> I thought I was hallucinating when I saw a really large boat. When I went to touch it and realized it was real, it was like an adrenaline shot. But then I saw there was a small path into the jungle where I found a hut with a palm leaf roof, an outboard motor, and a litre of gasoline. I had a wound on my upper right arm. It was infested with maggots and was one centimetre long. I remembered our dog had the same infection and my father put kerosene on it. Oh, God. Gasoline out and put it in the wound. The pain was intense as the maggots tried to get further into the wound. I pulled out about 30 maggots and was very proud of myself. I decided to spend the night there. That is atrocious. (laughs) I knew that part would give you Uh, I thought your story was going to be the most lighthearted of the three. Fuck (laughs) me. (laughs) No, you're... you're, I know one of your triggers is like... Like little bugs living inside of people getting pulled out and stuff. (laughs) We need to do a video podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, I can't deal with it. Uh, could you imagine him like popping out slowly? Ah, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's taking the headphones off. He's taking it off. 
I don't deserve this. No more of that. I don't deserve this. No more of that. Yes, you do. Absolutely. The next day, I heard the voices of several men outside. It was like hearing the voices of angels. Luckily, Julianne spoke Spanish as well as German, and she was able to tell them her story. Thank God for this as well, as the men actually thought she was a cryptid. What? <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine that? Finding someone and then being like, oh God, it's like a fucking chupacabra or something. <laughs> and just like beating her to death. Oh, Mounting her head on the wall. Yeah. That'd be fucking hilarious. Well, guys, after all, she was a beautiful young blonde woman. What was she doing in the middle of the Amazon? Oh, good question. When they saw me, they were alarmed and stopped talking. They thought I was a kind of water goddess, a figure from local legend who is a hybrid of a water dolphin and a blonde, white-skinned woman. That's just Which a begs the question, isn't every dolphin a water dolphin? <laughs> a hybrid of a water dolphin and a blonde, white-skinned woman. Yeah, that's, that's a mermaid. No, without the scales. You got like soft, dumb, uh, like uh, okay. dolphin yeah. leather. Yeah. Dolphin yeah. leather. <laughs> Do you think you can get um, like furniture and handbags and stuff made from dolphin leather? Oh, I mean, I've never, heard, oh, I've never so. heard of it. Back before. in the I'm day, sure probably, but not now. They're too adorable. Ah, it just costs you more money now. Mm. I mean, they got to do <laughs> something with all those market. dolphins that get caught in tuna nets, right? <laughs> Apart from eat them. Mm. Oh, that, that, well. that, that skin is just going to waste, though. Yeah, exactly. Um, the men treated her wounds, gave her something to eat, and took her for a seven-hour boat ride to the nearby village where a pilot offered to fly her to hospital. It's funny when people get, like, uh, rescued like this, and then they still have to do, like, a seven-hour journey. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> to, get, to get to safety. Yeah. It's like, all right, right. You're, you're, like, we've, you've been found now, but you've still got ten hours before yeah. you get to civilization. Yeah, and it's never, like, seven hours on a, you know, in a luxury convertible or something no. like that. It's, like, seven hours in the <laughs> back of a fucking <laughs> tiny, shitty fucking truck where they've thrown you in the tray, <laughs> and there's no roads, so you're getting thrown, like, three feet in the air every couple of minutes. Fucking quality. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so Julianne is still alive today. After the crash, her father sent her to Germany to live with her mother and sister. Julianne went to university in Germany as well and followed in her parents' footsteps. She studied biology and then she did research in Peru. She is now 65 years old and works at the Bavarian State Zoological Collection in Munich. Jesus. Does she have, like, an email address or anything like that? <laughs> you want to contact her? I absolutely want to fucking call her out for poking a dead body with this thing. <laughs> Leave fucking her alone, animal. Man. She's been through enough. Fucking animal. She's been through enough. <laughs> uh, all right. Do you guys have any uh, questions about Julianne Kopka? That is horrifying. Mm. She's a fucking she's a fucking baller, though. She's a boss. Yeah. Been able to survive that. Yeah, the only thing you're upset about, luckily, is the fucking maggots. That's oh. it, isn't it? <laughs> Luckily, we'd have seen them in his arm and just like jumped ah, off the wall. So killed myself. Wished out. I'd fucking died in the plane crash. <laughs> I don't know how you survive um, a two mile fall. Like, I know once you hit terminal velocity, does, you're not going to go does any faster. I, it, I've heard stories where people fall from planes, like when they're skydiving or something, and their parachute doesn't work, um, and they do survive. But isn't there usually something that slows them down, though, like with the parachute or whatever? Like a failed well, yes, it's, shoot or it's, something like that. It's like a US because I actually have the answer to that question mm. under how did she survive the fall. So, apparently, the row of seats that she was on acted a little bit like a parachute because she was in the middle of a row of three. Mm-hmm. Ah. So, those uh, two on the side were helping slow her down. You know, there's a lot of surface area on them when they're coming down. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also a strong updraft due to the storm, the uh, thunderstorm, which slowed her fall. You know, a bit of thick, dense wind updraft. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thick foliage in the rainforest slowed her down significantly during the last part of her fall. And the seat protected her from being severely injured by the tree branches. So, Holy she was very lucky. Sh- very, very lucky. Ugh. Yes. Uh, still, that's got to be one hell of a thud. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Well, she doesn't. She doesn't remember it. She just she lost consciousness as she was falling yeah, towards the down. Amazon, and then she and then she awoke. A few she hours she later. must be grateful that she lost conscience consciousness during the fall because seeing that ground coming closer and closer it would just be ten yeah, times no more shit. terrifying. I would be like, oh, she might have. 
she might have passed out due to the forces or the dizziness, mm. or she might have just passed out due to the shock and fear. Just mm. like, oh god, mm. I can't be conscious for this. Yeah, yeah. But she must be grateful, surely, that she passed out. Like she'd be having nightmares for the rest of her life. Anytime she goes near like a three foot ledge, she'd be like, "No, nah, I'm done." <laughs> Wow, it's funny you say that, Brad, because this is a quote from her. She said, I had nightmares for a long time, for years, and of course the grief about my mother's death and that of the other people came back again and again. The thought, why was I the only survivor, haunts me. It always will. Mm. And someone asked her- Survivor's guilt. Someone asked her, do you feel lucky? And she said, sometimes I feel unlucky that I have to carry this heavy weight because it is a heavy weight for the psyche. It's always there, like a visitor that entered my life, and although I reject him, he is there. I cannot push him away. But I am healthy, and I can do work that I love, and this is only possible because I survived. So, I am lucky too. Jesus Christ. Seems fair. That's that's deep. (laughs) Sounds like she's like, man, could could take it or leave it. (laughs) Could go either way on this whole surviving thing. I would flex on people. I'd be like, you've fallen out of a plane two miles high and survived? (laughs) No biggie. (laughs) Been there, done that, no biggie. You know, she's part of the two mile high club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <sighs> um, yeah, crazy story. And you know, you think 10, 10 days and you hear the phrase, like you hear someone say 10 days and you're like, yeah, that's really long. But when you think about it, that's like a really fucking long time. That is 10 a days fucking in long the jungle time. Yeah. Mm. With no food, yeah. just a bit of candy, and that's it. She's pretty lucky Jesus. that she was near water. Like, that's the biggest thing. Because, you know, I mean, mm. you got three days without water, like two weeks without food. So. Yeah, she was in a rainforest. It rains all day. You just open your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Science, bitch. Oh, <laughs> uh, fuck. It does rain a lot, though. You just stand under a tree that had a bit of a leak going on. <laughs> if Seriously. cartoons have taught me anything, it's that you, you know, you put a hole in a tree and water comes out like a spigot. No, you just get one of those big leaves and you (laughs) hold it up. Just like pour it into your mouth. I know you think I'm joking, but this is the Amazon rainforest. It rains enough that you can just drink out of the sky. (laughs) That's not how humidity works, mate. What? It rains. Yeah, not all the time. It's currently on fire. Is it raining there right now? Yeah, she, well, she was saying that it rained heavily three times per day on average. (laughs) Well, her success was not that impressive then. You know, she just under, <laughs> underplayed herself. I've, yeah, I, I agree with you, Brad. Mm. I've been hungry before too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no biggie. Mm, no big deal. I've not eaten for a couple of days. <laughs> no biggie. No biggie. Um, I have plenty of water. The other thing that she must feel really guilty about is that her mother wanted to leave on December 19 and she was like, no. Oh, I'm yeah, she convinced her to stay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What a bitch. I'm, I'm just liking this chick less than me. <laughs> Fucking hell. Killed her mum. Wasn't really <laughs> that hard. That <laughs> Poking dead bodies. Like, fuck her. Disrespecting <laughs> the dead people. Fuck it. Jeez. Yeah, you're disrespecting uh. the survivor, Brent. That's why. <laughs> dead people can't be offended. Yeah, but she can fight back. They can't. <laughs> Brad, did you hear those quotes? She's not even happy that she survived. We could be driving her to suicide right now. She's indifferent about her survival. She's ambivalent about it. Eh, reckon- maybe I shouldn't have survived. Do you reckon she just flies everywhere now and she's just like, maybe today's the day? <laughs> uh, All right. Any more questions about uh, Julianne Kopka? Or should no. we move on? Mm. 70s. No? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, 1970s. Yeah, I was going to make some sort of uh, Nazi reference or something, like see if her, might have been her father escaped, you know, after World War Two mm. or something to the to South America. Would he have? He would have been old enough. He probably yeah, would Hans been. Wilhelm. He would yeah. have been a Nazi for sure. Very German name, yeah. Double German. Like Obengrufer Wilhelm or something like that, you know. <laughs> Hiding out from the fucking Jews in uh, South America. <laughs> Tables are turned. And yeah. the Germans are hiding from the Jews. <laughs> he was in Peru. He was deep in the Peruvian rainforest. And Masada was mm. probably looking for him. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hang on. Hang on. Wait a second. His wife died. His daughter was supposed to die. Do you think that Mossad had something to do with this? Because <laughs> I would say well, they the would Jews say- Jews do control the weather, so they probably yeah. did cause the lightning strike. <laughs> lightning strike is, is a convenient cover story is what I'm saying. That Mossad agents took out the plane. And it's like, oh, it's a lightning strike. And then, you, you know, you ask Mossad about it. They're like, we can neither confirm nor deny this. I like where your head's at, Brad. It's mm. good. It's good. This warrants further investigation. I didn't investigate this angle, but I'm pretty sure it's probably true. 
Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Um, all right, Lucky, you want to tell us your story next? I do. <laughs> do it. Okay. I will. Well, fuck you. Tell us your story. I'm glad then. Kirby Morrill is a Canadian hiker who just a few months ago in April of this year decided she was going to tackle the famous three and a half thousand kilometre long Appalachian Trail in the eastern United States. Mm. Hiking the Appalachian Trail is no mean feat to be sure, but Morrill is an accomplished athlete and outdoors woman. So it was nothing she and her three hiking buddies couldn't handle until the trail threw something completely unexpected at them. (laughs) About six weeks after setting off, a black bear came across (laughs) Morrill's campsite. African-American or bear of color. (laughs) Please. B.O.C. It's B.O.C. B.O.C. Don't worry, though. All four of the hikers were unharmed. But- Yogi managed to snag their picnic basket and they lost all their food. Don't worry though, people known as trail angels are scattered all along the Appalachian Trail and regularly hand out food, water and other supplies to hikers. Losing your food ain't no thing. But this is irrelevant to the point of the episode. I'm just using some classic misdirection to make you think that they were in danger. The real they should be dead part of the story is much, much scarier. <laughs> James Jordan, a lone hiker who had given himself the nickname Sovereign, had been <laughs> spotted up and down the Appalachian Trail for months harassing other hikers. He'd become quite notorious with stories of his strange behaviour being passed between hiking groups as they passed each other. The police in several jurisdictions and even the FBI were aware of him. Jordan had been reported to authorities for threatening other hikers several times and had been arrested more than once and told not to come back to the trail. He'd been spotted at one point asking other hikers for the password to continue. (laughs) Was he like six? He'd verbally assaulted trail angels. He told one veteran hiker that he was on the trail to protect the mountain people who were being invaded and having their instruments stolen. At night, Mm. he could be heard playing his guitar, mumbling and laughing to himself from his shelter made entirely of dental floss strung between trees. What? Yes, dude's fucking crazy. Morrill and her group had encountered Sovereign a couple of times over their six-week trek. His mugshot had been circulated around hikers along the trail, so when they spotted him in a diner along the way, they knew exactly who he was. Morrill texted her husband back in Canada to let him know about the sighting. Run away, have fun, he replied. Please don't get murdered. <laughs> I feel like that might be some foreshadowing there. That's good advice, though. Yeah, it's just good good life advice in general. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start saying that to my fiancé before she leaves the house in the morning. Don't get Please murdered. Don't get murdered. <laughs> she gets murdered, then. It's not on me. <laughs> you guys know, uh, you guys, this is a bit off topic, but you guys remember in uh, the episode of The Simpsons where Homer starts bootlegging alcohol because they bring back Prohibition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. He, he leaves the house and he's like, going out, not back soon, avenge death. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. On May 10th, after setting up camp for the night, just past the quarterway mark of the Appalachian Trail, the group encountered Sovereign again. Outside their tent, they could hear him stumbling around, muttering, mostly under his breath. But some coherent sentences got through like the threat of dousing their tent in petrol and burning them to death. Understandably, the group decided to move camp, but Sovereign didn't like that one bit. He came at them brandishing a 17-inch machete. Two of the hikers, wisely, ran, and Sovereign gave chase, but eventually gave up and came back to confront Morrill and her remaining hiking buddy, Richard S. Sanchez Jr., Sanchez pulled his phone out to call the police, but was stopped when Sovereign started stabbing him repeatedly in the upper body with the machete. Yeah, that'll do it. (laughs) Hold on a second. Who 
Who stabs with a machete, by the way? Yeah, it's no, definitely right. it's a, a slashing It's a slashing kind tool, of yeah. Absolutely. Instrument. I agree 100%. Can stab with the machine. Like I said, this dude's fucking crazy. Again, he doesn't know what he's doing. doing. Well, he, he knows what he's doing. He's stabbing people. That's what he's doing. Also, it's kind of his fault. Who hangs around at a campsite after being two people pieced out after a guy with a machete showed up? Like, surely you just take off in <laughs> yeah. the other direction. Well, they Split obviously up. they obviously thought he was going to catch those other two and they'd be safe. <laughs> He would have got all that, all his um, murderous rage out on them and came back and gone like, well, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Okay, I'm done. That's we fine. cool, guys? We cool. No, we cool. As Sanchez fell to the ground, dead, Morrill ran. Imagine how terrifying that must be. You're alone in the wilderness in the early hours of the morning. Two of your friends are gone and you've just watched the other stabbed to death. And there's a mentally unhinged psychopath who just threatened to burn you alive, chasing you through the forest with a machete. It's the plot of 75% of horror movies. <laughs> but this is real. After not too long, Sovereign caught up with Moral. She raised her arms in surrender, but he didn't care. He started stabbing and slashing at her wildly. Moral oh, fell backwards to the ground, motionless. Sovereign looked at her for a few seconds, then walked away to go find his dog. Oh. After what felt like an eternity, Moral opened her eyes. Covered in cuts and stab wounds, bleeding profusely, but alive. Somehow, none of her vital organs had been hit. In the moment she was falling to the ground, she decided to play dead. Maybe if she laid perfectly still and didn't breathe, Sovereign would think he had killed her and leave. And it worked. She pulled herself off the ground and hobbled through the woods for three hours before finding a pair of hikers and begging for help. Sovereign was arrested that morning. As far as I can tell, he has not yet faced sentencing as the judge at his trial ordered he be psychologically evaluated. And Kirby Morrill... After surviving over 40 lacerations all over her body, including her face being slashed to the bone, then months of torturous physical therapy, went back and completed the Appalachian Trail just last month. With a bodyguard. (laughs) (laughs) I believe she actually went back with the uh, the two who ran away. So, I don't know why you would do that. Like, Uh, you know they're going to run. That's right. Fucking hell. Oh, <laughs> I'd, I'd probably get new hiking buddies if, if it were yeah. me. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, imagine how terrifying that is. It's it's like an oh, actual horror movie. It is. It is legitimately a horror movie. The dude but... just needed a fucking, like, Jason Voorhees hockey mask and, that, and you know, <laughs> that, that'd be it. That's yeah. fucked. I, they will. They will. Someone will make that into a horror film, and it'll be based on a true story. It. It is a horror film. It's like it's a true story based on a horror film, not the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> <This> came first. <laughs> Holy fuck! Chicken and the egg sort of situation. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. No, that's that's mental. Yeah, it's and terrifying. that's that's why I always say. Don't go on hikes. <laughs> That's what I always say. It's Fuck a fucking long ass hike as well. Like it took him six weeks to get to the quarter way mark. That's yeah. That's fucking crazy. crazy. That's a long way. Yeah. Is that the one that goes from Canada all the way to Mexico, or is that a different one? No, nah, it's a different one. It, it it goes through nearly all of the um, eastern United States. Eastern or western? Eastern. Oh. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I know. There's one that goes from like Canada all the way through America to Mexico. Because one of my friends was saying that he wanted to do it, and then oh, okay. he was like, "Yeah, it's like a f- it's like four months." And I was Sounds like, awkward. <laughs> I don't know why anyone would want to do that. And this is after they got attacked by a bear, right? As well. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they they I don't think they were actually attacked by the bear. I think the bear just kind of wandered into their camp, and they just like stood still, yeah. and you know, they were just, robbed by the bear. Yeah, it just took their food and fucked off. Like <laughs> black bears, black bears are more scared of you than you are of them. Bear of color, yes, okay. That's that's no, that's true. There's, there's a little, uh, there's a little rhyme for dealing with bears. Okay, it's, hit uh, me with it. Yeah, it's uh, hit black it. attack, brown get down, white good night. Because a black bear, if you make yourself big and like attack them, they'll run away. A brown bear, if you play dead, they'll just leave you alone. Mm. And white, so a polar bear, you just fuck no matter what you do, they will fucking eat you. Yeah, I know those things are yeah. fucking scary. Yeah. 
Everything from the Arctic is incredibly dangerous. <laughs> bears in general are, are terrifying. I heard that if a bear attacks you, it doesn't like it's it's not like a predator where it'll go for your neck and and kill you and then eat you afterwards. It's just like it'll just hold you down and start eating you. Oh god, alive. Yeah, yeah. It can. yeah. I've heard that as well. Yeah, yeah, because like a jaguar or something like that'll try to crush your skull or like try mm. to like bite your neck. Yeah, and you'll just bleed out. And then once you're dead, it'll just take its time eating you. Where a bear's just like, yeah, hold still, hold still. They'll just like <laughs> yeah, pin you down and eat you alive. Yeah, that's fucked up. That's awful. Ugh. No, that that was that was good luck when I was expecting hiking story. Oh, she's gonna get lost enough yeah, to find her right. civilization. See, I got gotcha. you. I flipped it on you. It's maniac. Uh, yeah. Also, the name Sovereign, by the way. What a bad. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> He's a sovereign citizen. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's uh, immediately I'm what a- I thought of. <laughs> He's a one man nation. His uh, <laughs> his dog's name? Oh, Felicia. <laughs> For a second there, I thought you were going to say freedom, and I was like, oh, so loud. <laughs> But Felicia, Felicia, little little less relevant, I guess. Yeah. Oh my god, that's that's like a a black woman's name, right? Isn't yeah, it? by Felicia. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Does he have a dog of color? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Do you want to tell your story, Brad? Just before, just before we move on to, just before we move on to Brad, um, I just want to give uh, an oh, honorary mention to to uh, a survivor that I read about uh, when looking for stories to do for this episode. Um, I, I can't remember any names or, or you know major details or anything, but this baby survived in a motel room with its dead with her dead parents for seven days. Parents were dead Jesus. for seven days. No one knew they were dead. No one knew they were, like went in to check on them until they were How was like, that? dead for seven days. The baby, six-month-old baby, survived the whole fucking How? time for seven days on its own. I have a nearly two-year-old son. He couldn't survive for an <laughs> afternoon on his own. How, how did the baby survive for seven days? <laughs> I have no idea. Like, you're meant to die if you don't drink water she, after three days. Like, how, how's the, the baby fucking drinking water? Of the dead mother? <laughs> Must, I don't know, maybe. Oh, I'm, the, I'm, just on, to, I'm just trying to logic on. this one out, Morgs. Yeah, it's 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 that, miraculous. So uh, The people who killed her parents were keeping her alive. That could actually Simple. be true. They died under suspicious circumstances. Left a bowl of water out or something. <laughs> Like a, like a saucer of water or something. But yeah, she yeah they they found her in uh they found her in serious condition, but she made a full recovery. Well, that is miraculous. It is. Mm. Uh, and now she's inherited some uh, motel debt though, <laughs> accommodation fees. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have an honourable mention as well. That the story I almost chose to do. There was a Nigerian fishing boat rat got capsized in the like off the coast of. I don't know, it's Nigeria landlocked. Anyway, there was some <laughs> fish, fishing boat, Nigerian guy, boat capsized. And it capsized really quick because it was a big wave. So he was actually held alive in a pocket of water because oh, he was under I've the- Oh, I've seen this. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Yes. He was, he was under the boat mm. and there was four foot of uh, air and- the the water didn't fill up in the boat and it, the the boat sank to the bottom of the ocean 30 meters below Whoa, and he wow. stayed alive in this four foot pocket yeah. of water and of course like they went they went um some scuba divers went down there to get you know Bodies. whatever they could out of the yeah and they were like oh everyone's obviously dead we'll just take what we can or whatever they went down there and there's actually footage of the moment that they find him like the yeah. scuba divers had like gopros on fucking or insane because it happened recently and they actually hear this knocking and they go and they find a guy oh, 60 hours after the boat capsized. God, that would be you terrifying. You can see live footage. Oh. You can see live footage. Well, not live, obviously, but you can see the footage of them That's recording crazy. live. Them seeing this guy after 60 hours. And, um, yeah, he was just like- Yeah, we definitely need to do- Obviously. And- yeah, we need, we need to do something that covers that a bit more in detail, I think. Because uh, that, that dude was so fucking crazy to have survived that, that situation. It's- just mental. That's nuts. Yeah, yeah. He heard his um. He heard his fellow shipmates being eaten by fish because oh. they died. He could, like hear him getting eaten by fish. Gross. That's fucking crazy. And they they had to like acclimatize him to the um the water pressure and stuff because he he wouldn't be able to get up through oh, the oh yeah like ocean and stuff. So they had to get him like a snorkel on and he had to like go under the water. So even though they found him, they still had to like 
you know, get him in the yeah. snorkeling. Took a while to get him out. But, yeah, crazy story. He was survived for 60 hours in pitch black. It was totally dark. Whoa. Totally black. Whoa. No, thank you. That's, uh, yeah. that's, not, that's nightmare fuel right <laughs> that's there. That's so terrifying. All right, speaking of nightmare fuel, Brad, do you want to tell us your fucking disgusting story, which you've been hyping up? <gasps> yes. Yes, I do. On the 3rd of November, 2016, Kayla Brown was found inside a shipping container. A thick length of chain around her neck, tethering her to the wall. Do you understand how t- how Kayla oh, ended God. up in here and why she's lucky to be alive? We have to go way back. Todd Christopher Colehep was born on the 7th of March, 1971, in South Carolina. From all reports, Colehep was a mess of a child. In nursery school, he would fight and beat other children to take their stuff, and by the time he was nine, he would find himself in counselling. His counsellor would describe him as explosive and preoccupied <laughs> with sexual content. Oh, my God, at nine? At nine. Oh, that is weird. Just six years later, at the age of 15, Colehep would prove his counsellor right in the worst conceivable way. Okay. Obsessed with a 14-year-old girl who lived in his neighbourhood, Colehep lured her from her house and abducted her at gunpoint. Colehep sexually assaulted the girl and after he was done yeah. with her, walked her to her house. Out the front, he told her that if she told anyone about what happened that day, he would kill her younger siblings. Yeah. Luckily, she spoke out and Todd Colehep was arrested and sentenced to 15 years in jail in 1987 at the age of 15. Good. 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 I agree. Wow. Not long enough. Well, yeah, true. Unfortunately, Todd's first dabble into kidnap and rape had only taught him one expensive lesson. Witnesses can talk. Oh, no. Yeah. That's right. That's why you can't let them back mm-hmm. out. They're just going to... Speaking yeah. from experience, Morgs? Uh <laughs> <laughs> no, just speaking from I no that just that shit just pisses mm. me off. There are some people that you just can't trust ever to be in society mm. again. And somebody who can I know you're like someone's fifteen and you're like, can you ever like no? What can a fifteen year old do to be? Hey, it was a premeditated like crime. But some, he, he acquired a gun, some, he lured her from her house, yeah. took her back to his house, bound her up, had his way with her, and then tried to intimidate yeah. her into science. There, there was no yeah some passion, no crime of opportunity. Premeditated. Some things are unforgivable, no matter how young someone is. Mm. I just don't. No, I just don't think you should ever let something like that mm. out. Well, fourteen long years later, in two thousand and one, Cole Hep was released from prison, and without any real education or training, was pretty much shit out of luck. Cole mm-hmm. Hep needed a job, and we all know most psychopaths are excellent at one thing: sales, real estate, to be yep. precise. Mm. That's true. Tom, <laughs> get shit on. Colehep lied about his sex offender status to get a job, and once he started, proved to be immensely successful. We all know where this is going, though. And like all shithouse human beings, Colehep wasn't satisfied with a stable and successful job. Oh, they never are. He needed more. They always do. His first foray into murder would come in 2003. After purchasing a motorbike from Superbike Motorsports on a whim, Colehep realised he couldn't ride the motorbike. It was harder than he had anticipated. <laughs> what a fucking idiot. On the 6th of November, 2003, he went to return the bike, and when staff laughed at him, <laughs> he became incensed, shooting all four <laughs> staff members in the head. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Whoa. That stopped being funny real quick. Mm. Todd had come for a refund, but he'd gotten such something much more valuable to him, a taste for blood. Oh, God. Oh, come on, Brad. That's not clever. Not much is known about what happened to Todd Colehep <laughs> over the next decade, but what we can be sure is that by the time he abducted and killed married couple Megan and Johnny Coxie in December 2016, he was well-versed in kidnapping and body disposal. Uh. This is where we pick up with Kayla Brown. On the 31st of August 2016, Kayla and her boyfriend Charlie Carver were hired by Colehep to clean his house on his 100-acre residence. Unbeknownst to them, Cole Hepp was already a serial killer and a mass murderer. To friends and family, the couple just vanished into thin air, or would have if it hadn't been for the sick actions of Cole Hepp. Some days after their disappearance, and no doubt prompted by the search taking place in the media, Cole Hepp signed into Charlie Carver's Facebook and told everyone that he and Kayla were safe and to stop looking. This obviously went about as well as you would expect, and when friends and family (laughs) persisted, 
Cole Hepp ended up taunting and abusing them. Police were convinced that the account was now being used by someone who had kidnapped or killed the two lovers. Using cell phone signals, the investigators were able to narrow the search area and eventually, while canvassing the area, knocked on Cole Hepp's door. Somehow, Kayla Brown must have been able to hear the car pull up from her shipping container because her shouting was loud enough to catch one of the detectives' attention. Drawn by her shouting, the detectives worked their way through Cole Hepp's property until they discovered the container. As I said earlier, inside was Kayla Brown, thick chain around her neck, but dead calm, eerily calm. Oh, no. This, this uh, sound clip Lachlan's about to play is Kayla Brown just seconds after the police found her. Bolt cutter. Just hit, hit the chain right there. Loose. Just no, just right there at her hand, Brandon. We'll, we'll get it off. We'll get it off here. Cut it right here. Why isn't she screaming? Do you know where your buddy is? Charlie? Yes. He shot him. He shot him? Who did? Todd Colehep shot Charlie Carver three times in the chest, wrapped him in a blue tarp. What the fuck? Of the tractor. Locked me down here and I never seen him again. Okay. He says he's dead and buried. He says there's several bodies dead and buried out here. And he okay. says that the dogs will be ruined if they go looking because there's red pepper. We're going to step you up, sweetie. Why isn't she fucking yeah. losing her mind? Mm-hmm. Eerily calm. She's in shock. No, she's fucking, I don't know. She's on another level. Um, unfortunately, Charlie Carver had been executed as an intimidation tactic by Cole Hepp. And for 65 days, Kayla Brown suffered through a living hell only leaving the shipping container to eat and to provide sexual favours for Colhead. Despite this insane mm. adversity, she kept her head on straight, biding her time. She kept details in her mind about the things Todd had said and done, and through her recollection, police were able to close the cold case at Superbike Motorsports some 13 years prior and locate the bodies of Johnny and Megan Coxie. Good God. Just to clarify, when I say Kayla Brown should be dead, I mean this. Not many people would be able to look true evil in the eye and remain level-headed. She had to do horrible things to survive. Cole Hepp never forced himself on her, but by her admission, he told her that if she was to be, if she stopped being useful to him, there was no reason to keep her around. Ugh. She did all this after watching her partner get murdered, and she kept it up for 65 days. Wherever you are now, Kayla, I genuinely salute you. You've got more guts, willpower, and determination than just about anybody on this fucking planet. <sighs> That's Kayla Brown. Jesus. She, she, yeah, like I said, he never forced himself on her, but he said, basically, if you don't do what I want you to do, I'm going to fucking kill you. I think that's forcing yeah. himself. Yeah, that's like know. saying that the government doesn't force us to pay taxes. Yeah, but you know what I'm, you <laughs> get what I'm saying? It's coercion, absolutely. But yeah, it wasn't violent. It yeah, wasn't it violent. wasn't violent. Um, but she also, he, because he was trying to intimidate her the whole time, he was telling her about things he'd done where he'd kept bodies and stuff like that. Yeah, and she trying to make to himself sound like details. a psycho. Like, with that 100-acre property, she was able to tell them where the bodies were. And you heard, like, as soon as they said who did yeah. this, she started listing shit. Like, she was hoping that someone would find her and she was remembering yeah. all these details. Um, and, yeah, though, yeah. Like, she she said that all of this is, like, on body cam footage. You can see it on YouTube and stuff like that. She's eerily calm. Like, she's just trying to reel off things so that she knows that this guy is going fucking down. That's like, yeah, yeah, because I, I would be a fucking mess as soon as I heard him. I'd Absolutely, be like tears and like yeah, understandably, sure. but but she was like fucking like dead calm, kept her head on I, straight. Yeah, and I was like, I, I thought, oh, shock as well first, but no, but then she starts reeling off shit in a really calm manner. Like, mm. like these are the details. This is what happened. This motherfucker's going down, and the whole time, Todd Colehep is in his house talking to investigators about you know the missing people. And then the best part is, like, I think it's like the chief or something comes in who goes, we've got Kayla in the shipping container. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and he's like, "She's you killed Charlie Carver. You shot him three times and you buried his body. So you're going to help us find the body? And he's like, what body? I never shot anyone. <laughs> and they keep, like, grilling him for, like, two truck. minutes. Yeah, exactly. They grill him for, like, two minutes. And then he goes, I think I need an attorney. And he's like, probably fucking good idea. <laughs> Get him in my car. Ah, oh, fuck. It was so great. It was so great. And. Todd Colehead is just such a fat, disgusting mess Ugh. that oh, it's just great to see him. Like, his, his interview with the police and he's just, like, trying to be all friendly with Ah, oh, it's just a mess of a human being. But he pled guilty to avoid the death penalty, unfortunately. Well, he should have never been out of prison like that. Yeah. yeah Think of all true. the people that would have been 
alive and wouldn't have been psychologically tortured and abused by this maniac if they just had kept him in prison the first time or yeah yeah no. it's just like well he, he they must have done an evaluation on him in prison and realized that you know he is just a genuine psychopath or sociopath who just doesn't have any emotions uh, I think psychopaths are really good at lying hmm well, he was he was yeah, well, super successful in business. Like he, that's why they make he great actors and great businessmen. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he he. Well, I think he was a multimillionaire when they busted him. Like the property he was on was worth like five hundred thousand dollars that he bought that out. Yeah, right? hundred acres. That's fucking huge. Yeah, so like he he he'd done really well in business, but he just there was just that thing in his brain. He was just not not happy with that, and I doubt that he did nothing between two thousand and three and two thousand and sixteen. He was claiming oh, yeah. that his overall mission was to get triple figures in murders oh. to to Kayla because I mean he was telling her stuff because he wanted her to be at one stage his like murder hoe, like he said if she you know behaved herself he'd teach her how to kill and she could start doing it with him. Ah, uh, that's fucking oh, weird. Yeah. yeah. So like he said that he he was high double figures, but they could only connect him to seven murders. Yeah, he's so he had to hit I reckon he's talking shit, but he's definitely- You don't kill someone in 2003 and then wait till 2016. Oh, yeah. He definitely yeah. killed more than what they connected yeah. him to. But, the, yeah. yeah, he would have been talking himself up. So, yeah, they can definitively connect him to seven murders, um, but- It's probably, yeah. like, low double digits. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, low double digits. Like, but- oh. Well, it's more than zero, which is what it should have been if they had it. Correct. Yeah, that's right. The first mm-hmm. time. Absolutely correct. <sighs> Fuck, that's terrible. Um- yeah, but good good on her for yeah, oh, no, staying alive. I genuinely, Absolutely. Yeah, I genuinely respect the shit out of her for just staying so calm in what must have been like the worst situation anyone could imagine. Uh-huh. You're trapped with a serial killer and a mass murderer, which are two distinct things as far as killers go. Um, yeah, they don't often overlap. Yeah, they don't often overlap. So this guy is just all kinds of fucked up. And she managed to keep her head on and she had to do horrible things, but she- it's all the name of the game is surviving long enough to take this fucker down, and she did it. And I just, yeah, it's just played the long con, crazy. the long con. Yeah, I mean, he got <laughs> to the point where he wanted her to be his murder hoe, so obviously mm. she must have done something, right? Well, yeah, she she obviously did a good enough job. Yeah, to, she was, um, like convincing him that she was mm. worth keeping around. As yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Because he obviously has no problem killing people who he doesn't uh, mm-hmm. have a need for or whatever. So yeah, fuck. I hadn't heard that story. That's pretty recent as well. Yeah, I thought, yeah. You know. yeah 2016. Yeah. All right. Well, should um, should we move on? Lighten the mood with um, everybody's favorite segment, Morgan's Movie Review? Absolutely. Morgan. 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 Morgan's Movie Review. Thank you for agreeing that it is absolutely everyone's oh, favorite fuck, segment. So thanks, Brad. <laughs> I was just saying we should move on. Absolutely, we should move on. Bamboozled. That uh, was. All right. Uh, Deep Impact 1998 oh, nice. is a disaster film about a comet hurtling towards Earth. It stars Morgan Freeman as President Barack Obama. <laughs> Tia Leone as an ultra-spicy MSNBC news anchor and yeah. Elijah Wood as the teenage discoverer of the comet. Also starring in this film was future babe Lily Sobieski, who played Elijah Wood's teenage love interest. Mm-hmm. Lily Sobieski would indeed become a future babe when she was the spiciest villager of all, Sister Honey, in Nicolas Cage's <laughs> magnum opus, The Wicker Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Previously reviewed here on Morgan's Movie Review, check out Season 3, Episode 1, Cults, for that wacky movie review. Anyway, back to Deep Impact. I watched this movie- uh, last night and uh, learned that there was another film released in 1998 about a- another space rock <laughs> hurtling towards Earth. Mm. This other movie, which is called Armageddon, mm-hmm. had a larger budget, grossed more money in ticket sales, has a higher rating on IMDb, and starred Bruce Willis, Billy Bob Thornton, Ben Affleck, Owen Wilson, and Steve Buscemi. It looks like I it looks like I picked the wrong 1998 movie about an asteroid <laughs> heading towards Earth. He definitely did. Uh, On the other hand, I do like Morgan Freeman, and Tia Leone was looking very spicy indeed with her short but not too short hair. It was still very feminine. Mm. <laughs> there was also a hilarious miscommunication at the start of the movie, as Tia Leone thought she was uncovering a story about a mis- mistress named Ali, 
who was banging either the president or the secretary of the treasury. But it turns out that Ali is actually spelt E-L-E and stands for extinction level event. There Easy are mistake two to make. Prolonged, <laughs> there are two prolonged conversations where Tia Leone thinks she is talking about a woman named Ellie and the man she is talking with thinks she is talking about ELE, the extinction level event, the comet hurtling towards Earth. You usually have to be watching a sitcom to hear such ridiculous <laughs> conversations where every single thing each person says is phrased perfectly so it could actually be interpreted in two different ways. Tia Leone never uses pronouns like she or her when talking about Ellie because the other person would, of course, say, Comets don't have genders. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and the other- Come on, Moses, 2019. <laughs> and the other partner in the conversation never mentions the danger the world faces because, of course, she would say, why is the world in danger? The only thing in danger is the president's reputation and maybe a blue dress. This was 1998 <laughs> after all. <laughs> oh. Topical. Yes. 20 years. Um, but, <laughs> but I've never let a bad, I've never let bad or unbelievable dialogue stop me from enjoying a movie. Tia Leone was very spicy. Barack Obama was stoic. Elijah Wood was charming. The story was gripping and compelling. And without spoiling anything, the ending was somewhat unexpected and refreshing, considering that it was a big budget Hollywood film. I give it a seven out of 10. Solid seven. There you go. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's it's nah. good, but it's not fantastic. I I always actually preferred Deep Impact over um, Armageddon. I haven't seen it for a long time, but if I remember correctly, it was a really fucking long movie. Was it close to like three hours? Deep Impact. Yeah, nah, it's not that long. No, nah, it's just under two. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. It's our our fifty or something like that. Wow. Hmm. Okay, maybe it was just shit, and it just felt like it was dragging. Oh well. <laughs> oh. Fun fact. Don't at me. Deep Impact is my finishing move in the bedroom, so. You <laughs> animal. <laughs> nice. I was actually going to make a point that these two movies about comets or asteroids heading towards Earth do not sound like movies about asteroids or comets heading towards Earth. No. Armageddon sounds like a religious film, mm-hmm. like, because that's, you know, end of the world sort of stuff. And Deep Impact sounds like a porno, so, mm. like... It does. You wouldn't say an asteroid hitting is a deep impact. Like, no, what? if I had, if like I had gonna deep impact, impact the word, I would assume something like underwater, like in the ocean. Mm. Yeah, like oh, yeah, you think it would be like a submarine movie? Yeah. yeah, submarines shooting at each other and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, you would like you'd think it would just be called impact. What's what's <laughs> the deep part? Well, I mean, that asteroid's going to go pretty deep into the into the Earth when it hits. If I <laughs> if I made uh, deep impact, I would have called it. Bart's Comet. <laughs> anyway, Brad, do you want to do, do your power rankings? Uh, what an episode of The Simpsons. And yes, I would. Brad, power rankings. This week. Uh, I got a little help with my power rankings. Oh, look out. Mm. Oh, cheating. Yes. Uh, oh, thanks to <laughs> thanks to Todd Colehep himself. Oh, so, oh, oh this man, Jesus Christ. No. This man. I don't like it already. <laughs> used to write reviews on Amazon for products. No. And oh, really? Way. This week's power rankings are Todd's top four reviews. <laughs> now, they're all short. <laughs> Fantastic. But uh, you're going to find them very disturbing. Man, the information age is so fucking weird. I uh, know. So, yeah, apparently he had a lot, but a, a few of them got released or leaked to the media when he got arrested, and they, mm. were, they are quite disturbing. Um, so, number four right. is the SOG entrenching tool FO8-N folding shovel. And Todd says, oh, yeah. keep in car for when you have to hide the bodies and you left the full-size shovel at home. Oh, my God. Does not come with midget. Which would have been nice. Are you serious? I am deadly serious. So he's you can playing find these on his tongue in cheek, but he's serious. Mm. Jesus. So dark. <laughs> Number three, Husqvarna 455 Rancher 20 inch petrol powered chainsaw. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Works excellent. 
getting the neighbor to stand still while you chase him with it is hard enough without having an easy to use chainsaw. Okay, this is starting to paint oh a picture of, uh, uh, you know, like doesn't Amazon have some sort of system to fucking red flag this kind of person? <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't they be tipping off the FBI at this point? Like when, when you start mm. to see patterns like this? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Sounds like a joke. Yeah, one sounds like a joke. Oh. They s- no, they all sound You'll like jokes. You'll see. Yeah, they all sound like jokes on their own. <laughs> mm. Maybe if it was, yeah, yeah, one or two, it would be a joke. But uh, number no, two. No, number three. No, number two. SOG Pentagon fixed blade serrated knife. Oh, Todd oh says, haven't st- stabbed anyone yet, yet, but I am keeping the dream alive. And when I do, it'll be with a quality tool like this. Oh, good. See, th- like, of all the stuff. All the surveillance that they undertake, like they're watching people. How do they not pick up on shit like this? Funnily enough, he only gave it four stars. All right, and number one. All right, rolling on in. And this is probably the most disturbing. Number one. Oh, God. Master Lock 6270A Hidden Shackle Padlock. Oh, no. Works great. Also, if someone talks back, go old school on them by putting it in a sock and beating them. Oh, they God. will not appreciate the hardened steel like you will. <laughs> Works great on shipping containers. No. Okay. So, did he really say that? Yes. These are 100% real. On their <sighs> own, any one of those is fine. It's just like a funny throwaway review. Mm-hmm. But all of them together, and I assume there's much more of them if he had so many reviews. Yes. It's yep. start, like there's a pattern there. It starts to paint a picture, and you need to, like, it, that's, that's ringing alarm bells. Yes, yeah. His like, wish list. You know, he had a wish list which had weird items on it. The items he were reviewing were just fucking. Uh, like one of my friends keeps telling me I should fuck his wife, and like you know, <laughs> once or twice. Yeah, okay, that's a funny joke, but it's getting to the point now where it, he jokes about it too much for it to just be a joke, and I'm pretty sure he wants to watch me fuck his wife. <laughs> You know, and it's it's, it's ringing alarm bells. You know what I mean? Because there's it's there's a pattern there, and it's too much to be a joke. What's the yeah. what's the opposite of the cuckold? <laughs> the bull. It's a bull. The bull. Yeah, the bull. The bull. Okay, yeah, so you could be the bull. Uh, I mean, yeah, but I look. That's <laughs> beside the point. Face if you're doing that. <laughs> oh, oh, Are they usually black? <laughs> that's not the point I'm trying to make. Here. The point is. When you repeat a joke too much, it stops being a joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, when I read that Master Lock one, I was like, oh, that's mm, dark. sickening. That's dark. Yeah. Do you know what kind of lock they found on the shipping container, by the way? Well, he reviewed multiple locks. I just didn't want to put them in there. Okay. Um, all right. But they all made the same. They all had the same thing on they it. All well. the same work, thing. Work, okay. work works great on shipping containers. It was, so there was like, this was a cry mm. for help. This dude wanted to be caught. Mm. Well, I mean, he posted for from sure. their Facebook, so, you know. He- yeah, I thought logging into their Facebook, yeah. he must have known that was going to undo it all. I think he just, just got overconfident. He's clearly done it, done multiple things before. I was like, I'm, a, I'm not going to get caught, you know. Um, mm. Got too cocky. Ugh. Yeah. And the, and the thing about it is some of them might just be jokes, but the fact that you get to that last one, there, the master lock one, mm. and he's got works great on shipping containers, or how much of the other ones are true. Like That's right. That's right. Has he buried bodies with the entrenching tool? I'm sure Quite he possibly. has. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, he reviewed multiple knives as well, saying, like, what he would use them for. Uh, and it's, uh, no. Uh, uh, that'll do. <laughs> uh, did, you guys, did you guys notice that this was our first ever feminist episode? Because we all talked about strong women who use their intelligence <laughs> oh, and willpower did, to survive. We? Yeah, strong we did. women who don't need no, no man. Actually. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, well, two of them escaped men. And, uh, That's right. One of them escaped a plane. <laughs> and uh, Probably flown by a man. Oh, yeah, yeah, probably. So she escaped the plane. She did. It wasn't really her choice, but she escaped it. <laughs> oh, shit. She got yeah. jettisoned. No, boys. That's the word you're looking for. Jettisoned. That's a good. That's a good anyway, point. I Very thought- feminist episode. Uh, number mm. number twenty five. It only took us twenty five episodes to get there. Yeah, mm. I thought that was interesting that we all ended up um, out somehow choosing women. Crazy yeah, women shit. getting anyway, themselves um, into these predicaments. Yeah, and this- <laughs> when will they learn? I'm guessing that this episode will only get you know seventy percent of the views that it normally gets. <laughs> There is a small percentage of our uh, uh, listener base who are women. 
Um, I think most of them are Morgan's mum, but that's okay. <laughs> we love you, Mary. All right. You want to take us out, Lucky? Yeah. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Two. Brad is a bad hey, person. We, uh, that's right. It's ladies night here. Brad is a bad person. <laughs> Uh, no, thank you everyone, male, female, and other, for listening. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we, we truly appreciate you listening. We hope you continue to listen in the future because we're going to keep churning out this shit till someone makes us stop. Uh, and if you'd like to if you'd like to fight the power and stop <laughs> us being stopped, you can uh, head over to... <laughs> paypal.me slash brad is a bad person uh, throw us a couple of bucks buy us a beer help contribute to us running this podcast uh, we'll always be free and you do not have to pay but if you want to we uh, would truly appreciate it if you want to support us in another way uh, jump onto our iTunes page rate and review us on there that'll get us in front of more people which would be fantastic we want more people to listen to us because who doesn't want to share their uh, crazy, crazy stories about women? Tell your friends surviving. to listen. That's right. Tell your friends to listen. Make sure yeah. they do. Don't don't just let them say, "Oh yeah, no, I'll totally listen to that." You get on their phone and you download it and you make them listen. You sit there and you watch them listen to it. Even if you have to lock them in a shipping container. Oh, <laughs> tell them, tell them an episode to listen to as well. Go listen, listen to the heist episode or listen to the cult episode. That is Give a good a point. That's a good point. Give you them a specific to episode to listen to. Episode. Because. Uh, you know, pick a good one because then they're more likely to listen to the others. Don't pick a really shit one because, let's be honest, we've had a few. Um, anyway, <laughs> you can find all of that shit at bradisbadperson.com. All our episodes everywhere. You can subscribe to us. If they're a lady, tell them to listen to this one. That's tell right. Them to That's right. Tell them to listen to this one. They can listen to our uh, smooth, smoky voices. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, you can. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can join our subreddit, r slash Brad is a bad person at reddit.com. And uh, look, I'm kind of over editing this, so if you want to have a crack at editing, get in touch. You can't do a worse job than me, so uh, you know, just, uh, just let us know. <laughs>